1: Hello and welcome to Alexandra Marshall Live! On this show we go off trudging through the overgrown jungles of woke that are suffocating our nation in search of the rare culture warriors. These are the people attempting to free Australia from whatever this living nightmare is. Today we are joined by a journalist who refused to back down during the most intense era of censorship this country has ever seen, and he managed to do it from Danistan, also known as the southernmost state of China. I speak of course of Avi Yemeni. Avi, welcome to the show.
0: How are you doing, Alexandra? Thanks for having me. I love that intro.
1: (laughs) No problem. Look, Avi, you're a man that hardly needs an introduction. But in case we've got a few new viewers, you're a journalist, former soldier and a political activist based in Melbourne. You're also currently the Rebel News Australian Bureau Chief. Would you describe yourself as a journalist or a political agitator more in the Nigel Farage kind of spin?
0: Oh, that's a tough question. Do I see myself as a political? Do I have to be the same? No, look, I am what it, I wake up in the morning, my, my uh, identity is fluid. I wake up in the morning and I decide what I want to be.
1: How dare you that steal day. the activist uh, speech there. I ask because when you tweet your hundreds of thousands of followers, uh, they get riled up and you can create a real headache for the Victorian polit- political class, which is uh, quite a fun power to have, isn't it?
0: Oh, look, that's that's that, that's uh, the more enjoyable parts of my job. I, I must admit, especially since we have X, and now you've got a bit more freedom on what you can and can't say. So, um, yeah, it's it's um, look, it. Uh, I think somebody's got to do what the Liberal Party is M I A in in our state. So somebody's got to do their job for them.
1: Yeah, well, how long have you been a journalist, Arvi? and do you see yourself continuing in this journalist sphere or do you have ambitions for politics in general?
0: No, wait, I can't believe you put ambitions and politics in the same sentence. I'm just teasing Gross. you. You're a
1: pro. I'm allowed to tease you.
0: That is disgusting. I'm offended and um, I might file a complaint with your network after the show. No, if, <laughs> there's, uh, listen, I had a little taste of uh, politics before I got into the whole journalism and um thanks but no thanks I really love what we get to do on this side of it I'm sure do you want to go into into politics
1: me goodness I mean it's I think I've I've looked at the same way you have and uh, at the moment I think we can do more good Talking about it. So why
0: would you curse me with something you don't even want, Alexandra?
1: (laughs) For entertainment purposes, obviously, Arby, this is an entertainment news show. (laughs)
0: And there we go. I just want to make sure.
1: Yeah. well, so You're
0: trolling been, me live.
1: Well, tell the people a little bit about Rebel News, which is who you work for. What is their like goal in Australia? What do they do as a news broadcaster? Because a lot of the news broadcasters we have here in Australia do basically nothing. They just sit around and they take the press releases from our politicians and they publish them. But that's not how Rebel News
0: operates. No. So, look, our tagline says it all and we miss you. You used to be a part of our team. Um, But you got all fancy now. So, um, <laughs> I, look, I think our tagline says it all. Telling the other side of the story and that means either telling the story that the mainstream media is um, telling but giving the other side of it another perspective. Um, you know, all other main, all other media, all the mainstream media, they pretend to have – no bias and that they're just presenting the facts when if you have a critical mind, you can see exactly what they're doing and it is very much opinion. Um, so we try to add a bit of that, in, you know, a bit of the other perspective into the conversation and give it a, as fair of a run as we can. And then on top of it, we also try and follow those stories that the mainstream media refused to cover. And we saw so much of that through COVID and I'm sure we'll see it through climate change, or whatever the next emergency is.
1: Yes, well, thankfully, you post these stories on platforms like Instagram and Twitter, and being able to annoy the reigning political regime with Twitter is not yet... A jailable offense, thank goodness for both of us. But there comes a point where your popularity as a journalist turns into genuine fame and you start creating news rather than reporting on it. Now you've certainly made the news in Victoria during the reign of Daniel Andrews. When I used to work at For Rebel, I'm you know, I was always worried that I'd wake up one day and have to write about you being bundled into the back of a police van or something. <laughs> Is it hard when you become the news story?
0: Um Look, I'm not going to pretend. I, I, we chase stories. We look for stories. We don't chase to be the news. But you know what? I've learnt through it, and I think it's one of the things that Ezra taught me early on. Is you know, take turn lemons into lemonade. Um, when you have a negative thing happen to you, you can wallow in it and feel bad for yourself and cry about how you know it's unfair. It is, or you can turn it into Telling that story you're trying to present and convey to the audience and and the world really, you know, COVID was the perfect example. Me getting arrested all those times was a perfect example. And then it was kind of empowering for people. People were living through this journey with me of where we were this um, uh, persecuted people. I'm talking about the entire state, not just me, but... People saw it in me because they saw me every day on camera. They saw me out there. Then they saw me get arrested. And then they saw me fight back with their help. And then we won. So it kind of empowered people, um, which is exactly what we are. That's what Rebel News is. It's the idea of taking journalism, telling the story, but also making a difference, making a change, not sitting on the fence on issues, actually taking a stand in the right direction pushing back to the craziness we're seeing on so many levels.
1: Well, politics is often hard to understand for the general public because it's full of a lot of boring detail and honestly just uh, insane levels of obscurity in our political class. Now in the old days, like the very old days, they used to have these stories of heroes and villains, especially in Greek culture, in order to explain politics. Well, these days Having a journalist being arrested by a police van is a good visual way for the public to see just how far the political class have sunk with, for example, their desire to stop you speaking in favour of liberty. Would you say that having this visual representation with journalists is important for society to gauge where its politics is at?
0: Totally, I think that, and that's, I guess, what I was trying to say, just not as eloquently as you <laughs> a minute ago. Um, that, that's, I think, that's precisely the point: is that it, it does help people, and, and you know, I keep saying this: the silver lining through COVID is, is, it's, it's woken up um, a large apathetic part of our community that didn't really care about politics because never really thought it affected them until COVID hit and they realised the decisions that these elected officials make, they affect each and every one of us. Gosh, in Victoria, they're cancelling gas. Do you know what I mean? Like people realise that stuff is real, things are real and, and um, alarmism for whatever issue needs to be uh, pushed back at if it, if, if it really is just alarmism, we need to push back because otherwise we end up as a society, as law-abiding citizens, as hard-working citizens, as taxpayers, we end up paying the price. Um, and we saw that, again, COVID, but even now the craziness with climate change we're seeing in Victoria where they're banning gas, I still can't believe I'm saying that.
1: No, I'm trying to imagine the migrant community who loved Cook With Gas having their gas cooker tops pulled out by some government official, it's not going to end well for the regime. Now, there are a lot of left-wing social media voices that are quite irritated by your existence, Avi. Um, And I'm I'm sure none of them are as irritated as the Premier himself. Now you've had to fight quite a few battles against the state Labor Party. Now one of those battles was ensuring proper access for the independent press to ask questions of political leaders. Mm. It's a very similar battle that uh, Ezra has going in Canada. Are you disappointed in Australia's media class for protecting their own interests instead of helping people like you protect other things such as press freedom?
0: Alexandra, it's worse than you even think because people don't realise that when I went, when I took that fight on, which we ended up losing um, because it, of some obscure law, it was more about parliamentary privilege and I, to be honest, think that it's just an abuse of parliamentary privilege, that the fact that they get to control which journalists are asking questions in the corridors of power. But that's, that's what it is. But the thing that's more crazy about it is that when we took the fight on, the media class we're attacking our lawyers, going at our lawyers because our lawyers also represent a lot of the media and we're saying to them, why are you defending this guy? Why are you letting him come into parliament? Why do you want him there? Um, And that's what we're up against. So as rebels, we're up against, and I'm sure you guys are the same, we're up against, you know, the political class, we're up against the, the entire establishment, we're up against the entire media. It's literally us against them all without a hundredth, a millionth of the resources that they have. The only thing we have is people people power, and at times that's that's what's helped us win. We've gone up against everything. And in, in COVID, in fact, it helped us help so many others fight back. And I truly believe that some of the changes in laws and, or, or restrictions were – were caused by the pushback. You know, if there was no pushback, proper pushback, I'm not just talking about people um, heading out on the street, confronting the police or whatever, which a lot of them were really brave, but at the end of the day, the police, if the police and the state could arrest them, lock them up and not face any real consequences for it, they. who knows how that would have ended. But because we started, for example, the Fight the Fines campaign during um, lockdown. That they had to think twice because they realised people were actually going to be funded, people were going to push back, people were going to fight back. You know, my my um, security guard got paid $150,000. It taught him a lesson. And at the end of the day, the worst thing of that, besides for it just looking, you know, it looks bad for the police, it's shocking for the state, but really it's the taxpayer that ends up paying for all that. So... Heads should roll on so many levels, but I live in the state of Victoria where, unfortunately, common sense ain't that common.
1: Yeah, that money should be deducted out of the parliamentary salary, I think, would be a much better
0: No, they've all taken pay rises in this period, I think Uh, they've had like four in that time.
1: Of course. Well, you you might be uh, losing in the courts, but you have been winning your battles in the Court of Public Opinion. But I'm starting to think that the media class is a lot like the elusive feminist sisterhood it's somewhat of a clique of vested interests rather than a genuine Mm. support group is that your experience not with the feminist sisterhood but but with journalism (laughs)
0: um so firstly I want to correct you there was when we say I lost that case I think overall my Tally's all right. I'm. I'm still. I think I'm on top. That was a. That was a hard knock. That loss because, firstly, what it meant, what it represented, um, and essentially, which is that the government gets to decide who holds them accountable, which seems to go against every democratic principle. But um, uh, the cost of it was just enormous. It was. I think that one was about three hundred thousand dollars to fight plus. Um, court loss, uh, the, the, their their costs. So, but overall, when, when it comes to the fights that we've had, um, w- I think we're, we're far on top. The, the the media is exactly how you describe. Them. They are exactly that. There are some good journalists among among them that I talk to privately, um, but the the entire system is just it's it's shocking, and and the fact that. These are the people that want to be the gatekeepers of what's true. You know, the the misinformation bill, the fact that they're going to be exempt, they're going to be exempt. You know, uh, it, it, they're going to, I, I know what that is really targeting. It's targeting you and I, right? It's targeting alternative media, social media plat- platforms to kick us off because they want the power back. But they're not going to we're not going to roll over, I'm sure you guys aren't either. Maybe this is something that we're going to end up collaborating at the end of the day on, is when um, when that bill passes because it will, and they go for us, um, we're going to demand the exemptions that they've given themselves and the mainstream media. But should not. This should not even be a conversation. The fact that the, well, that, exactly. that it's actually in the really, public-
1: it's actually really funny you should ask this because my next question is all about the misinformation, disinformation bill. So
0: what I, I think it's to- just on all our minds, <laughs> to be fair, because this is a crazy issue that I, I don't think the public really realise um, how. No,
1: this, well, I was going to ask you what's happening. Uh, you know. As journalists, we've got this huge problem with what was, and I'm going to point it out here, this is Scott Morrison's misinformation and disinformation censorship bill, and then it became Albanese, so at the very least, I would like to see Peter Dutton come out and say, I renounce what was written. When uh, we are in leadership, because he has to distance himself from this bill. It's a shocking piece of legislation. It effectively ends the, the problem. With of the, li-
0: the problem with liberal leaders like Dudden, who I, I think is probably a decent on most issues, a decent guy, and and stands for mostly. Uh, I, I don't. I, I dare say he's he's probably got a. I remember following him for years. He, he seemed to be good, his his worldview, his morals seemed to – but then what happens when they get into leadership, especially when they become prime minister, and, and I think Tony Abbott's a great example, but they become the biggest cowards and they never actually stand up for what they believe. They never stand up for their conservative or freedom-focused uh, small government um, positions and they end up cowering to these – especially when, like you said, it came from – their side originally, and a, and a lot of people are forgetting that, this whole misinformation thing. And I did see a couple of Liberals, I think, speak out. I, I read something quickly about it, but they're only speaking out now because suddenly um, Albo's picked up their their piece of power, and that's what it is. That's why there's bipartisanship with Liberal and Labor on this one because they're exempting government, <laughs> they're exempting themselves to grab more power, because all that is, is is creating a a law that really, the law is that they can lie, but if they deem what you're saying as a lie, they can stop you.
1: Well, as we say, government is the largest source of misinformation and disinformation on earth, and we saw plenty of that during COVID. But this bill, (laughs) I mean, even if we as independent organisations were able to get ourselves exemptions, It effectively ends the concept of the free press in this country while simultaneously robbing the Australian people of their right to freedom of political communication. Does this this bill Mm. threaten the entire premise upon which this country is based, which is to be a free and open society?
0: I can't see it any other way. I'd like to see someone make the argument the other way. I haven't seen one that, that makes any sense.
1: Absolutely. You you made a good point there a second ago when you talked about the politicians, particularly the Liberals, being frightened and cowards cowards when they're in office. And that's because they're frightened of the press. So we have this strange scenario where the our politicians are frightened of the press. The, fr- the press are frightened of the politicians. And so we have two levels of cowards that are both running the show, and, and that is leading to genuinely terrible politics. Is that why they're so frightened of independent press like you, because you're not actually afraid of either the media or the politicians?
0: Because you're not controllable, because you're not part of their little clique. So, you know, they, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. That's the kind of relationship they have, and we saw that again through COVID um, and we, we've we seen it for so long. So, uh, of course, here they're, they're taking care of each other and who's the biggest threat to both of those? Well, us and freedom okay. of speech, anyone who's willing to call them out. Now, so the idea of freedom of speech is a threat to them, so that's why they're going after that and getting every individual person who calls them out target them, silence them, remove their platform, um, and then us as in we're doing that but we just have larger platforms to do it with.
1: Well, you're so, so right. I mean, I, look. Yeah, look, it's quite, look, it's, it is
0: frightening look for how, Australia, I think, for for the country.
1: Well, you're so right because if you want to know how powerful freedom of speech is, look how fast the COVID narrative collapsed when Elon Musk freed Twitter. Just having one Mm. social media platform that could speak took down every other platform on its own because they couldn't keep printing garbage when the truth was on Twitter, and that's power indeed.
0: But they all went to threads, didn't they?
1: (laughs) Yeah, like half a dozen people went to threads. Oh, it's so funny.
0: No, they they all went there, and, and, and within a week, they were all back.
1: The problem is the new Twitter X, I hate it, I don't know, do you hate it? This is not one of my questions, but I'm interested
0: um w- when you say hate it do I hate the what part
1: the ex thing he's the done now some it's great no longer mate. no now it's no longer a bird do you hate the ex
0: i do Oh, i couldn't care about that you know what i i, I laugh because i see how much it upsets people yeah it so upsets me <laughs> especially yeah look not you um, uh, i i look at uh, the, 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 there's this whole thread from i forget her name this crazy lefty she writes for uh, this um Independent Australian, I don't know, Victoria or something. I don't know. She's on Twitter. She's, she has the craziest rants. And she was going on about how Elon Musk doesn't own Twitter. It's the users who own it. Um, she's a serious journalist. Um, and that it's he's trying to erase Twitter, but it is it, the people define as what it is, and we will never stop calling it Twitter. And it's just like that makes me really embrace the whole X. That makes me excited. It's 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 kind of like wearing a mask. So don't become one of those maskers and just whatever. No, but I like,
1: st- whatever. I, don't, I, I, I still I miss. My, I still miss my bird. Oh well, Look, you look to move to move on from the poor Twitter debate. You were right down in the fire of the Victorian premier's ever expanding power base during COVID. The whole quote mm. unquote emergency that he had going. Would the pandemic have unfolded differently if these censorship laws were in place and would it have made us safer, as Albanese likes to claim?
0: I think um, absolutely, it would have, have no, it wouldn't have made us safer. It would have made, it would have, it would have forced compliance on one level, but on another level, I, I, I dare say that the underground would have been more radical. You know, when you push people underground and you force them, you force them to, you force basic human rights, you make them illegal. So what happens is your law-abiding citizens, the people that have never got in trouble with the law before, they suddenly become criminal and they feel like criminal and they feel like, well, I'm already breaking the law, why don't I do this? Um, so if you make it illegal for them to speak about these issues online, but it's also illegal for them to hang out, and and that's a funny point because back then uh, Victoria Police was, uh, what's his name, uh, Cornelius was saying, you know, don't go out and protest. It's illegal. If you want to protest, protest online. And I was like, huh? Protest online? Where can you talk about this online, mate? Um, so... The idea, you know, on one hand, I don't know how it would have unfolded because whether – I think it would have made some people more radical. Um, It would have forced them to darker places on the internet and then also darker places in real life because they they would have met up. They would have – it would have been people fighting back, guerrilla warfare. We were on the brink here. People don't realise that. We were on the brink brink here of – real civil unrest. We saw one or two days giving us a taste of where it was going. But that was right. They, they immediately pulled back at that point. You know, if you remember the big CFMEU protests and the tradies when they did it, that was like towards the end. And, and the police back then go, we are on the brink of something big here. And that's when they suddenly, suddenly the figures were coming in that it really helped Um, explain and justify uh, uh, removing some of the restrictions. It was all quite funny. But really, it it was the fear that the government had of what was to come.
1: Yes, well, I mean, lessons in history, if anybody in our government ever bothered to pick up a history book, which I highly doubt they have done, every regime in history that denies people the opportunity to voice their disapproval and their problems with the regime end up in violence and often the regime ends up being overthrown because people lose their minds. Yeah. So, if you want to make society yeah. safer, are you listening state premiers, if you want to make society safer, you give us freedom of speech, otherwise you'll end up in a great deal of trouble. Now, Avi, Rebel News operates largely between Canada and Australia, and we've got different political leaderships across the, the ocean. And yet we seem to have the same problem with our politicians mm-hmm. attacking the free press and especially the free, the free speech of citizens. Do you have any suspicions about why this obsession exists in multiple Western countries? Because it's not just us, it's New Zealand, it's the UK, it's America, it's Canada. It's as if we've got some kind of virus going through our political system.
0: Yeah, look, I think it's all the issues are always like that. Look around the world, everything we face, for some reason on the same day, it's like they get a memo. And I've been to Davos. I think I can see where the memo, I can see where the cancer has started, and it just spreads. It's.
1: Did they put a um, barcode on you, RV? Did they? Did they tag and release yeah. you?
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, they they would have if they could catch me. But that it definitely. It, look, I I think that there are um, global forces which are working to uh, set the agenda. And we see that every year in Davos. That's exactly what they're doing. They're not even hiding it. I think now they're probably going to get smarter by the way they do it. but, But they haven't hit it for years. They've been doing it for years. Just now people are waking up and noticing again. And that goes to what I was saying before. It's just that we're noticing it now because the world woke up through COVID, suddenly everybody's listening to what the people who have set the agenda have been saying because they've been telling us what their plans are and we've just been ignoring them because we didn't take them seriously. Now people take them seriously. Um, so I think this whole global globalist um, uh, agendas, the, all these globalist agendas, we we need to fight them at that level. We need to, as, as Australians... Um, fight for our own, our right to to um, self-determination and self-govern and not be told by either a, a, an economic forum, a globalist economic forum or a United Nations who, um, I, I do get it, we are global boiling. So, thing, you know, things are quite scary at the moment. But we shouldn't have to, These these are not who we voted into power. We voted you know and again i think our whole system's screwed because at the at the moment um when you vote you tend to be voting for the lesser of two evils not for something you really believe in and or, or people that you think are not corrupted they they're corrupted on both sides it's like both sides are singing from the same same uh same song sheet they're just they're just repeating the same agenda it doesn't matter which side you're on they're, they're all subscribed to the world economic forum they're all they're all excited to go to the united nations meetings
1: Avi, we how, need some Avi, people that
0: want to fight for australia
1: how, how dare you take a, a pot shot at the <laughs> the un secretary general antonio guterres and his little global boiling uh, no, outrage I, rat I, I,
0: I am saying I'm boiling, I'm quite hot. That's why I'm wearing a t-shirt today in Victoria.
1: Oh, so he was actually on point for just specifically Victoria today. Look, um, part, part of me suspects that the reason there isn't more of a backlash to these new censorship laws is because mainstream Australians don't really think it will be implemented. They simply don't believe that the government will censor social media, censor their private speech. I mean, they know the bill exists, but they cannot get their minds around the approaching disaster that's coming. Do you think this apathy is a big part of the problem? Because I know as a journalist, it's so frustrating to have something printed in front of you to know how bad it's going to be, and people just go, oh yeah, and then go off to the football as if that'll be fine.
0: Yeah, you might be right that that's what it is. I feel like it's probably uh, people tend not to care, when we saw that through COVID, until it affects them. So you saw every, every industry, they only got angry when the mandate or the restrictions came to them. And the final one was the trade, it was the unions. <laughs> they, they, that's when they got angry. That's when they fired up and that ended up being, you know, uh, big gangs of men that were willing to fight back. But until it got to that point, they didn't stand up for, you know, before that the nurses or before that the, um, the, the any everybody else, the cafes, the shops, the small business, whatever. They didn't stand up. So I, I think people don't care until it affects them and often until it's too late and in this case, it's like that. I, I think when people hear misinformation, Bill, they just don't think about it. They go, well... Oh, so so many of the comics uh, are
1: lying, are, are basically saying, oh, excellent, that means we can finally shut ARVI up. That's literally how they think yeah, about these bills. Yeah, for sure.
0: But, that, but that, those, are act, those are activists on the other side, excited for what it means because they get what it means. Um, but I think the general public, who wouldn't really agree with the idea, just don't care because they say, oh, well, I don't post on Twitter, I don't have a following, I don't. They, but they don't realise that it's going to get them in the fact that now what that is going to do is it's going to stop those that are fighting, pushing back, those that are holding the government accountable, those stopping the government from essentially carrying out these agendas, again, go back to the gas, this whole banning gas thing, if, if no one's allowed to talk about it, then you're just going to have to accept it. Now, if you believe in everything, in COVID, at every point, climate change, you know, whether 15, if if the government wants to implement a 15-minute city that you can't leave your 15-minute zone, if no one, if if us, the ones with platforms, can't raise the alarm early, early enough for people to get up and do something about it, then those things are just going to get through. They're just going to happen. And then you're going to sit there wondering, How come nobody spoke up for us? Because you didn't stand up for those that wanted to speak up.
1: Yes, well, memo to those who think it won't affect them. When your power bill has tripled and you're stuck in a 15-minute city and you're wondering why you haven't read about it in the newspapers, that will be why. Now, Avi... I just mm, said this is just
0: a- <laughs> You'll have to get another booster to be able to wonder about it. <laughs>
1: to check your health pass before you write anything online. Uh, I have a, a point of interest here that I was curious about. When you were partaking in those huge freedom marches, were there ever times when you thought, oh, heck, I'm in too deep, this is actually dangerous? Because when I was watching the footage back in Melbourne in particular, it seemed at times the police were out of control. Did you ever worry for your mm. own safety that you were caught up in more than you'd bargain for? I
0: don't know. Adrenaline at the time, it's, adrenaline's a, 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 an amazing thing. It kind of takes over your brain and, you know, you, at some point it just became normal, what was going on there. I've been in combat before and, you you know, at first I think, that, I think the difference is when you go to the army, you train for it for, you know, nine months and then you finally face it. Here, suddenly, overnight, it started happening, but then after a few days, it just became the norm. I knew we're going to go cover this protest. I know they're going to shoot rubber bullets. I know they're going to fire tear gas. I know they're going to arrest people violently. And, uh, you know, I think after a few protests when it became clear that they weren't going to be able to get me anymore, so I kind of didn't feel I wasn't worried for my own safety it was more just seeing what was happening around me. And that's, I say that to people as well now when they walk up to me and go, oh, my God, I loved you. You're so brave through the car. Man, I was not brave. Was... It, was, it, was, it was easy for me. The brave people were all those people that went out there knowing they're going to get shot at, they're going to get targeted, they're going to get shot at, they're going to get violently arrested, they're going to be held for hours, they're going to be fined, they're going to be dragged through the courts, they're going to, you know, potentially go to jail. Well, those people are brave. Not not me who was there doing my job and had that exemption, and that's the thing even with this with this bill as well. I feel like I'll fight to get an exemption, but even if I get the exemption I'll use it to 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 keep highlighting how the wrong of the bill, the fact that they're silencing everyone else um well, but, yeah, but look, Arby, I've kind of gone on a tangent.
1: It's okay. You've also got a book out called A Rebel From the Start. Oh, I
0: didn't think you were going to – I did not have any idea you were going to mention this.
1: Yeah, you've been very well behaved. So your book is called A Rebel From the Start, Setting the Record Straight. I and think the, for the
0: audience, you just got to be honest. You've you, you got to tell everyone. You told me I'm not allowed to talk about it too. Okay, you bring Arby, it Okay,
1: where can you get this book from? Let's get it out of your system. Where can people buy your book? <laughs>
0: RebelFromTheStart.com. Have you read it yet?
1: I've read most of it, yes. How did you find it? It was actually very interesting. There was a lot of things about you I didn't know, uh, which are in my questions as we scroll through here. Um, But uh, no, I found it (laughs) enlightening and uh, I'm definitely going to use some of them to my advantage in the following questions. But first of all, I'd like to know, what you said it to me, it's your fault. What drove you to embark on this project? Was it just sheer frustration with having your life narrated by Wikipedia?
0: Um, Well, no, actually, Wikipedia was banned till not long ago. So it wasn't Wikipedia. It was that mainstream media that, you know, for several years, I was silenced. I wasn't allowed to talk about certain parts of my life, but the media just wouldn't shut up about it. My detractors wouldn't shut up about it. And it was all lies. And I thought, you know, um, when I finally was allowed to, I thought I'm just going to tell my whole story. Not, I'm not even going to focus on that one issue. That that one issue was uh, about three pages of the book and that's about it. Um, the rest of it, I thought I'll just tell people who I really am because so many people have – Is it have I cut out?
1: No, keep going.
0: Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. I oh, know my computer's gone nuts. That's
1: okay.
0: Um, so many people... Oh. You're okay? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Anyways, I'll just um, talk to you and I you tell me if you disappear.
1: I will. I'm um, all good.
0: Um, so many people, so, so many have, you know, told the world who I am and I thought finally it's my chance to tell you who I am. If you're so interested in who I am, and it's funny, the people that have gone on for years about my private life that they know nothing about. Um, suddenly then they're, they're not very happy that i'm I'm having my say about it. That's and actually one
1: of the funniest things uh, I noticed. There are people who've been trying to dig through your life for years, years and years, and yet now you've handed them basically all your secrets. They haven't even read it.
0: Yeah, they won't they won't read it. Um, because they don't care. that's the thing. They don't care. and my book was not made for them. I did not write my book for my detractors. My detractors hate me. They just found certain points that they thought, great, I can run with this and I can tell everyone what a bad person other is so that they ignore everything he's saying. And, you know, I'd even say pretend it's true what they're saying, which it isn't, but pretend it's true. It shouldn't matter. But now I'm saying it's actually not true. This is my life story. And when you read my book, I'm not I am in no way telling you I'm an angel. I'm not an angel. I have a very dark past.
1: But it's
0: not the dark past that they tell you.
1: No, no. The first, I think it's 3 or 4 chapters are quite harrowing of your book, and that's not how I expected it to start, if I'm honest. So, uh, it was a walk through your difficult childhood You you one of what 17 children, something ridiculous.
0: Yeah, one of 17. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then you had some trouble living on the streets and you had issues with drugs. I mean, it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to share. Now, did you have trouble uh, sharing this part of your life with the whole world and clarifying your childhood? Because uh, it was far from ideal.
0: Yeah, look, I'm. I guess because I'm confident and proud of of where I got at the end. So you know, I I don't have too much of an issue of telling people that's what I went through to get here. Um, and I'm not like I'm not really ashamed. It's just it's my story. It's where it's 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 what I've been through, and and I'm a lot less embarrassed of re- the real me I'm, I'm not embarrassed of the real me um, I, I, I re- obviously regret certain things in my life but I'm not embarrassed of the real me what I hate is people pretending they know me and saying this is you when it's not me that's all I, I, I want people to know the real my real story and, and if you're interested if you're not interested who cares then, then don't but don't bring up my personal life. And don't, if you're not interested, then don't listen to people telling you about my um, personal life, and and just ignore it. And ju- then just look at my work. I'm happy for I'm happy for people to do that, but it just seems like so many are interested in my personal life. So if you know, if it the book I wrote for people that have seen um, those things said about me, and either. Think oh he does good work but I can't I really can't get behind a guy that's evil like that. Well I'll say read my book and then you decide whether you that has any effect on you. And also just uh, just for the for for my fans I've had so many fans that love me and have tried to back you know back me up while I've had to be quiet and they've kind of taken my silence as an admission of guilt of some sort, not knowing that. Can't really talk about it, um, and they tried to defend me over the years, but they weren't armed with the actual facts. Now, and I'm seeing it now; it's been amazing over the last month. Because anytime I, anytime I do anything, especially if it, if it goes viral or whatever, some of my work, then straight away the comments were full of these hateful messages, and my fans would work hard, but they weren't armed with the truth. Now, one. Those comments are hard because I've taken the power out of uh, many of the of my detractors because now I'm talking about it. In fact, I'm screenshotting a lot of their hateful comments and I'm using it to promote my book. Because screw you, you want to have a go at me, I'm going to use it. But my my fans also, I see the way they're engaging my followers, and they're they're actually answering with fact.
1: Well, that's what you call the power of free speech, where a little bit of uh, Mm. once the story is out there, you no longer need to work as hard because you've got, quite literally in your case, hundreds of thousands of people helping you to spread the story. That's how it works with any story, not just your story, but anything in the press. Uh, And what I find interesting about your book is that You are quite honest about your ambitions. I mean, I've seen you criticised many times for seeking the spotlight. A lot of journalists who are not as famous or as well-known as you don't like the fact that you're able to carry such favour in the press, but you spend a good few chapters just being straight down the line, yeah, I like to be in front of the cameras. Yes, I want the attention. That's quite a brave thing to do. Well, not brave. It's it's no. it's it's refreshing. Let me rephrase that.
0: Do you know what I just? That's the thing. I was asked yesterday um, what I hate most, and it just it was on the spot. And I thought, you know what I hate most is people that lie. And I don't care whether it's in politics or in personal life or whatever. Liars are the worst because I just can't trust anything you say. And that's how I feel about me. I'm I'm happy to own. Uh, my negative traits and my positive—I'm not saying that that's a negative trait. That's just to be honest. One of seventeen kids, I was bound to be an attention seeker. <laughs> I talk about it. I have—it's like extreme. For it's extreme
1: middle heart. child syndrome.
0: Yeah, well, I, I say it's middle child si- time seventeen, so it's full on. It's compounding, but. Yeah, I'm I'm not ashamed to say it and I I know a lot of people in our industry pretend like they're not they don't like the camera or whatever, they don't like the attention. Oh mate, you're fighting for ratings, like you can say that, but to some degree you have to be wanting the attention. That's otherwise you literally can't be doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah, well, look, the stories in your book are crazy, Avi. Um, it's a miracle <laughs> that you survived this long. If you want to write a sequel, yeah. <laughs> you have to cu- you have to up your game if you want a sequel, Avi. Have you got plans to do I something know. like become the President of the United States? Like, w- what's on your agenda?
0: No, no, no. But, you know, one thing I've learned in just living my life, my lived experience is it'll come. I don't know what's next, but it'll happen. You just look at every um, 10 years of my life and... They're crazier than the last 10.
1: All right, I' Or tell, they're
0: completely different.
1: Tell people where they can get your book again. Go on. Once
0: more. rebelfromthestart.com. <sighs> I'm also there's, uh, what have we got? I'm going to New Zealand end of the month. You can see there there's tour dates that we've started putting up, but there'll be one in Melbourne. They're all at the end of this month. So anybody watching this that wants to come, I'd love to see you.
1: Hey, You've got to give Rebel News a shout-out too. You can find them it's at rebelnews.com.au
0: rebelnews.com or .com.au, and uh, whilst we miss you there's plenty of other good content.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much, Arvi, and also thank you for coming on our show this week.
0: Thanks for having me. You might have to edit out that weird part where my computer shut itself.
1: <laughs> and that's all we have time for. Catch you next week.